What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, Locked on Dolphins. Today is Wednesday, January 4th, 2023. And today on the show, look on the brighter side of things, some of the best performers from this Dolphins 2022-2023 season and the core nucleus pieces that we should be super excited about having as staples on this team as we get ready to move forward from here. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins, your team every day here on the Locked On Network. Today is Wednesday, January 4th. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM and managing your own football franchise, then this is definitely the game for you. To download the game, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up in the app stores. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using promo LOCKED ON, all caps, in the game. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, I'm Kyle Krabs. I've been a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan. I'm the co-founder of the draftnetwork.com and am uh, feeling, I, I guess, a little optimistic today. Not necessarily optimistic for week 18 uh, but wanted to go over some positives with this Miami Dolphins team. And uh, before we we get into that, uh, I would like to take a little bit of time on the show. The, the Tuesday show was recorded on Monday afternoon uh, before the events of Monday Night Football uh, took place. So just wanted to take this moment uh, to extend my best wishes to uh, the Buffalo Bills family, Damar Hamlin, uh, all of his friends and loved ones, and everybody who was uh, impacted by uh, the injury that we saw took pl take place on Monday Night Football, uh, sending my absolute best and best energy and thoughts and, and keeping everybody who was impacted that in my thoughts at this time. And, and maybe that's why, you know, I wanted to lighten up a little bit, right? It's certainly some, something like that puts so many things in perspective and the importance of the game. And when you take a step back and, and think about what's really important. And as I got back into work and started thinking about this Dolphins team and what kind of content I wanted to do, um, everybody understandably is so focused on a five game losing streak and eight and three to eight and eight, and you need a win and help to get into the playoffs. And there's some dolphins fans that would ask what, what's even the point of the playoffs with, with how the team is playing right now. And yeah, I mean, there's, I don't certainly don't expect the dolphins to make the playoffs and all of a sudden be catch fire and flip the switch out of nowhere. Um, but there is a lot of good with this team that, you know, we obviously yesterday did the salary cap discussion and talked about uh, what the Dolphins are going to be able to do this offseason to improve the team and tweak the team and redirect the team. And there's going to be a lot of, I think, personnel uh, coaching, potentially front office changes that are, are implemented as a result of that. But um, at the end of the day, I do look at the nucleus that the Dolphins have. I look at the core of players that the Dolphins have allocated since the rebuild started in 2019, and the Dolphins are still in a very favorable spot uh, as I look at the team because of the young talent, and they've locked a lot of these guys in. That's not a bad place to be. Now, some of these guys are going to have to get secondary contracts. Yes, absolutely. There's probably going to be some guys along the way you're going to have to make some difficult decisions on and choose not to pay or uh, choose to let go a little too soon or be, be a seller because you, you need to free up the cap space and well, there's, there is such a thing as living in a world 
where you know you have too many good players and you can't afford to pay everybody, and that's a great problem to have. I don't think the Dolphins are, are near that. I think the Dolphins are probably four, three to four years away from having that problem really manifest itself. So what we do in the meantime is really important. And I wanted to get my flowers here is when we get ready to play week 18 and we get ready to play the Jets uh, for the final season finale at home, I wanted to acknowledge some of the standout performers from this team. And I use nucleus, but not all of these players are necessarily going to be nucleus type players. Um, and I, I would take Thomas Morstead, for example. You know, everybody was excited when we brought in Thomas Morstead. Did you know? And this this show is all about flowers for good performers on this Dolphins team, in spite of what's happened the last month and a half. Did you know that there is no full-time punter in the history of the Miami Dolphins who's had more percentage of his punts land inside the opposing 20-yard line than Thomas Morstead? All time in the history of the Dolphins. Dan Carpenter kicked one punt in 2012. It landed inside the 20, so it's 100%, but he's a kicker. Don Strock punted nine times in 1987, and 55% of those punts landed inside the 20. But he was quarterback. And then Pete Stoyanovich, a kicker in 91, punted twice. One of them landed inside the 20, 50%. Thomas Morstead is the highest full-time punter in the history of the Dolphins organization for punts pinned inside the 20. He's 36 years old. Can we get this guy on a three-year deal? <laughs> the Dolphins have had some great punters over the years, whether it's Roby or Turk or Fields, Donnie Jones. Like they, they, They've had some really, really good punters along the way. And Thomas Morstead, statistically speaking, number one in punts inside the 20, and he's also fifth all-time in yards per punt with 46.4. Who said this guy doesn't have big leg? And you could say, wow, Kyle, you're really going to get on here and sell optimism and, and proceed to, to stuff punter statistic down our throat. Good for you. Sure. But we could also talk about the obvious and talk about Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Let me get the statistics up so I make sure I'm speaking accurately. Um, Tyreek Hill has already by about 300 yards, 298 to be exact, set the single-season receiving yardage record for the Miami Dolphins, 1687. For a while there, it looked like he might make a run at getting 2,000 yards. Jalen Waddell is fourth single-season all-time performance with 13-12. He's one yard behind the best season Mark Duper ever posted, and he's 78 yards behind the best season Mark Clayton ever posted, which was in 1984. And you might hear these stats, and you, you might be sobered by the fact that the Dolphins are playing for their, their playoff lives in Week 18, but I choose to look at both of these guys and say these guys are going to be staples for the Dolphins for the next four-plus years, in which case they're, they're going to have to make a decision on Tyreek at that point with his big, con big money contract and having to pay Jalen. But those are problems for another day, right? I never, like, do we talk enough about Jalen Waddell in general? 174 receptions for 2,327 yards and 14 touchdowns in his first 32 games. That's that 16 game used to be the standard in the pace, right? And he averaged about 90, 80, I'm going to do math here and regret it, 87 catches, 
for about 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns in each of his first two seasons on a 16-game pace, and he's got another game to add. It's a phenomenal addition for the Dolphins. It's a a great nucleus piece for the Dolphins to have on a rookie contract. And um, this wide receiver duo, whatever the Dolphins ultimately choose to do this offseason, I think you're going to go into next year, and the narrative is going to be how dynamic and explosive uh, the supporting cast is for the Miami Dolphins. And because of that, they're going to be capable of scoring points in any game. And it's really about finding the balance to ensure that you are scoring the points in every game. We've been so streaky. There's been so this all of this incontinuity at the quarterback position that has really just made it a struggle to consistently score points, you know, and, and, and amidst all of that, the Dolphins are 10th in the NFL in scoring offense with 24 points a game, despite the fact that oh, they, they've collected 79 throwing attempts from their second string quarterback and they've attempted or, and they've collected 74 passing attempts from their third string quarterback. And those two guys combined have, have, have five touchdown passes to seven interceptions. Those numbers got to get better. If we're being if we're being frank and we're being honest, and if the Dolphins do get through this season and they decide to run things back with Tua Tagovailoa again next year, in the last year of his current rookie contract, a fifth year option notwithstanding, that I would be surprised if they exercised, uh, you effectively need a second starting caliber player. And we thought that was Teddy Bridgewater, and we thought the year before that it was Jacoby Brissett. I don't know what the hiccups are. I don't know what the blockade is. I don't know if it's Tua Tagovailoa's skill set is so unique in his ball handling skills and his RPO gifts and his timing and anticipation in a lot of cases that it's impossible to replicate. But if that's the case, then we got to try to develop someone, be that Skylar Thompson or someone else. And to be quite frank, Skylar Thompson uh, in all six of the games that he has appeared in, in the regular season uh, is not playing well. I would not be married to doing anything with Skylar Thompson. Now he's probably going to have a chance to go out against the Jets and change it, but I'm I'm a little leery because the last time Skylar Thompson played the Jets, they got set up on a bunch of short fields after a Jason Sanders missed field goal and things snowballed. And next thing you know, you look up at the Jets scored 40 points. A big weekend for Skylar Thompson if he does indeed get the call and gets his second career start. But um that backup quarterback position is an area for Miami that, you know, even as we're sitting here giving out flowers throughout the course of today's show, there's no question um, the quarterback stability cannot continue on the path that it did this year if the Dolphins hope to consistently make the playoffs. And I think that's the bummer because um, there's little question that, that I think if you had more stability, you probably win a couple of the games earlier in the season. Um you win the game against the Patriots, I think, with your starting quarterback last week, uh, even in the midst of all the other players that were missing. And uh, we're having a very different discussion. So missed opportunities, we'll, we'll sit here and room, but that's not really what today's about. Today's a- a- acknowledging the standout performers of this Dolphins team. Before you go any further on the show, really geeked out to share our new partner and sponsor for today's episode, the mobile game Ultimate Football GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM and managing your football franchise, your dream can come true, and this game is definitely for you. 
You can manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through the season, and lead your team to glory. You're responsible for hiring the right coaches and coordinators, trading players, making draft picks, and navigating your franchise through the ups and downs of a season. All of this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Football GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want and when you want. Locked On Dolphins listeners can get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using promo code Locked On in the game store. That's Locked On, all caps. So make sure to check it out today. To download the game, visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up in app stores. That's ultimate-gm.com. Ultimate Football GM, start your dynasty today. Um, how about Raheem Mostert? And specifically Raheem Mostert from the lens of, I don't know if you guys realize this, Raheem Mostert has set a career high in rushing yards and yards from scrimmage with the Dolphins this season. He's also set a career high in touches. This for a 30-year-old running back who had been dealing with several seasons of significant injuries. Uh, I, I think the question is the sustainability of Raheem Mostert you know, beyond this season and whether or not the Dolphins want to choose to give him uh, a significant workload or not and a bigger contract or not. I think you could probably get him back on a, a two-year deal, probably with one year of guaranteed money and kind of play the wait-and-see game and stretch it out um, and, and enjoy that performance while you can before age kind of takes over. He is a player who uh, didn't log more than 34 touches in a season until he was 27, so the mileage is fairly low, uh, but you do acknowledge the injury history that's there. And Raheem's been a great player. He's been a great leader. Um, he's not quite as explosive as like 2019 Raheem Mostert was, but he's still plenty bursty and plenty explosive. And I admire the way that he's run here down the stretch and 170 carries for 820 yards and three scores in the midst of all the complaints that, that we've rightfully had at times about the running game. Uh, he's running back with 199 touches. That's over 1000 yards from scrimmage, uh, 5.2 yards per touch on the season. That is uh, very productive on a per touch basis. And um, I I just think Raheem Mostert has, has done a wonderful job of making the most of his opportunities. Uh, and, and just as a foil to that, you know, I think about a, a name that a lot of people really wanted the Dolphins to go out and get and Najee Harris. Um, Najee Harris has touched the ball about a hundred more times than Raheem Mostert has this season. And he has a hundred more yards from scrimmage total versus Raheem. And that's 4.1 yards per touch versus Raheem Mostert at 5.2. So Raheem Mostert's getting more than one, more than one yard per touch, more than Najee Harris on the season. And I know some of that's dependent upon your offensive line and the scheme that you play in and Matt Canada and all of that stuff. And Najee, of course, is just getting started. He's a second year player, but that kind of speaks to the challenges of the running back position is the replaceability and the opportunity cost of that position from a team building perspective. You say, okay, well, we could sign Raheem Mostert to a one-year deal worth two and a half million dollars, or we could spend a first round pick on Najee Harris in the top 20. And the guy with the one-year deal is going to be a more productive, more productive player. Uh, so Raheem is uh, the, undoubtedly somebody who I have a lot of respect for. And if the Dolphins choose to bring him back, I would be very excited. Now, just as a follow-up to running back, it is worth noting 
Uh, I did my mock draft this week over for the draftnetwork.com. Of course, the Dolphins do not have a first round pick, uh, but they do have a second round pick that right now as the queue stands uh, entering into week 18 is uh, 49th in the order. And you really didn't get, uh, I, I did the mock draft. I picked for all the teams and I really didn't get the board to fall in a way in which tight end was going to be a realistic outcome. Uh, the DBs went early. There weren't a lot of defensive backs that I was particularly excited about for the Dolphins. Uh, but the player that was there, that kind of fell into the Dolphins' lap in this mock draft, was Jameer Gibbs. And if you're not familiar with Jameer Gibbs, Jameer Gibbs was a four-star recruit out of Atlanta who went to Georgia Tech, played at Georgia Tech his first two seasons. If you're not familiar with college football, Georgia Tech is a pretty limited school as far as resources and talent. And Gibbs was still very clearly like very talented. Well, then he transferred this year to Alabama and has been very active and engaged in the passing game and as a runner and he's a big home run hitter. And he declared and has reportedly said that he runs in the low four threes. And I think he's built and runs in the same light in which the way that like peak Raheem Mostert would run. And he fell to 49. So that was the player that I gave the Dolphins with that second round pick was Jameer Gibbs. Uh, the offensive line did not have players that were there. I know people will hear, oh, well, you just talked about opportunity costs for running back. But like, I genuinely believe like this is not a bad year to not have a first round pick. There's like seven guys that I love. And one of them is B. John Robinson from Texas, who is a running back. So that positional value debate is there. Another one is Michael Mayer, a tight end who would be a great fit for the Dolphins, but traditionally tight ends take an extended period of time to transition to the NFL level and find success. So uh, there's some corners early in the draft that I think would have been in play for Miami. There's not really any interior offensive line. Left guards are big bugaboo. Liam Eikenberg did not play well uh, against the Patriots. I'm ready to pull the plug on that experiment. I think he'll be on the roster as a utility player. Um, I know everybody wants to to beat beat up Chris Greer over the Liam Eikenberg pick, and I get it. it. It's not been a successful pick, but do me a favor. Go back and look at the offensive linemen that were picked after the Liam Eikenberg point and understand if you wanted to get somebody better, you weren't going to get Jalen Waddle, or you weren't going to get Jalen Phillips, or you weren't going to get Javon Holland. Which one of those three would you give away to get Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State who plays right guard for the Bears? Oh, there's plenty of things to beat Chris Greer up over and and question the resume. But drafting for need at that point and trading up because a run on offensive lineman was happening, when you look back and you realize, wow, it's like Walker Little and Jackson Carmen are the offensive linemen who are going immediately after him, and there's no quality starters. Um, I'm not trading Javon Holland or Jalen Phillips or Jalen Waddle to get a better offensive lineman. And I would rather live in a world in which we have to find a left guard. That's just me. That's just my opinion on it. But, um, it's, it's no easy feat, right? I mean, there, there's, it's a constant plugging of holes and chemistry experiment and, and trying to thread the needle in all phases simultaneously while, uh, balancing all the of the elements of, of running a roster. And it's an amazing challenge. And it, it's, as we are finding out, one that um, is not linear. And I think for the sake of this Dolphins team, 
stopping the bleeding and finding a way to win and, and post a winning season and, and hopefully punch a playoff ticket, regardless of what your expectations are, if they get there, uh, I think would be very healthy for this team based on the trajectory that they've been on. There's another team that that's kind of endured what the dolphins are in the middle of right now that I want to talk about in just a minute. But before we do, so small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That is why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools that go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post, company, and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates, identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn jobs and connect with them for fast and for free. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That is linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Uh, history lesson. Now, part of this is only going to be relevant if the Dolphins win against the uh, New York Jets. But I think a lot about uh, the 2014-2015 Tennessee Titans, who... Uh, when a combined five and twenty-seven landed a couple early draft selections, and then proceeded to spend the next four years posting nine and seven records, never winning the division, only making the playoffs twice, managed to get get in both times and, and post a playoff win, but not nine and seven for four consecutive seasons in the midst of a rebuild. There's some parallels to this Dolphins team. Um, most specifically they went out, they spent free agent money early to boost from nine, uh, three and 13 to nine and seven. Uh, the Marco Murray as an example was the running back on that team. The leading pass catcher on that team, I believe was Richard Matthews was the leading pass catcher. Remember dolphins legend, Richard Matthews posted 43 for six sixty two in 2015 and he signed in Tennessee, and he caught 65 passes for 945 yards and nine touchdowns, and he was out of the league two years later. That was the leading pass catcher. So, so overachieved a little bit, but they spent a lot of money to get there. And then they spent the next three seasons literally flatlined, 9-7, and 9-7, 9-7. Well, that fourth 9-7 and seven team, uh, that was the year – 2019, in which the Dolphins started their rebuild. And of course, they traded Ryan Tannehill and it added a new element to the passing or it added a new element to the offense. But the Titans were a team that were a unique offensive identity. It was Derrick Henry was the offensive identity of the team. And they, they drafted him in the second round and kind of flew against the, the face of conventional wisdom for how offense should be played. And then they found the right chemistry and balance to figure it out. And they made the jump, right? So this, this is an example of a team who uh, John Robinson was there the entire time. The general manager, he was just dismissed of his duty. Sounds like there was some conflict with him and coach Mike Vrabel. Uh, there was a coaching change after three seasons in the midst of all this. 
It's Mike Malarkey for the first three years, including nine and seven posts, and then they went to Vrabel. And then it was Vrabel and Mariota, and then Vrabel and Mariota, and Tannehill came in halfway through, and they got hot in the playoffs, and they made a run, and then they went 11 and five and 12 and five their next two seasons. Now they've, they've since fallen off, and that's kind of the, the, the risk and the, the warning sign is this stuff's pretty cyclical. You get six, seven years. And then you probably have to take a few steps back and then you take more steps forward and you hope that, the, you know, you, you've positioned yourself and the culture's ingrained and you can do it. Uh, but the, the Dolphins right now are in year three because oh, we're not including the, the five and 11 year. That's the rebuilding year. So you went 10 and six, nine and eight, potentially nine and eight again. So you got three, four years to get this thing right. And this is a case in point of a team who, took that time and it took them four years of nine and seven before they had a breakout and they went 11 and five and 12 and five. And I'm not saying that the dolphins have to go out and trade for a Ryan Tannehill type changer at the quarterback position, but they do play a unconventional style of offense with the high volume of RPOs. And, and now they have a very clear identity and with some elite talents in Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle and getting the chemistry and the balance, right. Is the next step. And who knows, this team may assess that and they may decide a quarterback change as a part of that resume. That's not for me to decide. It's it's we'll talk about that through the course of the offseason. But this is a team for me that I see some significant parallels with as far as one of the years they went nine and seven, they were third in scoring defense and eighth in yards defensively, but they were 27th and 25th in offense. And then the following year, they were 10th in scoring offense and they were 21st defensively in yards, and they still went 9-7. and seven. Shoot, the year they went 11-5, and five, they were 4th in, in points and 2nd and in yards, but defensively, they were 28th. Now, they were great in the turnover differential. The Dolphins have been terrible in turnover differential this year. So it's all about tinkering and getting the chemistry experiment right. There's going to be personnel changes that are necessary. That should be a good thing. There's going to be some coaching changes. I cannot imagine a world in which Danny Crossman and Josh Boyer are back with this team next year. And based on the way the units performed this year, that should be the case. I cannot imagine a world in which the Dolphins don't take a long, hard look in the mirror and, and their, you know, their, their nucleus is set. I think that's a good thing that the nucleus is established. We know who's going to be here. We know what their skill sets are. So when you go out shopping for a defensive coordinator, I want to know who can get the most run out of three or four Pro Bowl caliber defensive linemen because that's what the Dolphins have. Between Christian Wilkins, Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb, like these are those are all Pro Bowl caliber players. You can't look me in the face, look at that talent group and say, yeah, we're going to be 28th in scoring defense. We're not going to be able to consistently finish and convert pressure opportunities to sacks. And we're going to have to blitz on third down and play man behind it and give a bunch of explosive plays down the field and backbreaking plays in the fourth quarter. Can't happen. We all know that. So we'll explore who the candidates are. And once we get the coaching hires established, we'll look at what their trends have been. And it's just really a question of, and, and and then we'll ask ourselves, okay, what players can the Dolphins go find to to help elevate and take things to the next level? It's just a question of whether or not we're starting these conversations next week or we're getting ready for a playoff game. 
the Dolphins will need the Bills to beat the Patriots, and the Dolphins will need to beat the Jets. If that happens, take it punched. We'll see if we get there. Um, but I, I hope this was a good chance to give some flowers to guys like Raheem Mostert and Jalen Phillips. Jalen Wall. Jalen Phillips, by the way, uh, what is he at? He's at uh, 15 and a half sacks through his first two seasons. That number is in line with other really talented, like top tier passion, like uh, Brian Burns of the Carolina Panthers. The, the Rams just offered two first round picks for Brian Burns. And he's really taken a step forward this year as a pass rusher. Um, he's one of the most physically gifted pass rushers in the league. I think he had 18 sacks his first two seasons combined. I'd, I'd bring up the name Nick Chubb, but Nick Chubb or Nick Chubb, pff, Nick Bosa. I'd bring up the name Nick Bosa, but Nick Mosa, Bosa missed all of his second season. I think he played in two games and had like a half a sack. So the development of that young group is really, really good. But what we choose to build around that and how significant the changes are are going to determine how long it takes for the Dolphins to get the chemistry right to break through the glass ceiling. But here's a recent example, the Tennessee Titans, who had six consecutive winning seasons. They spent the first four at nine and seven before they broke through the plateau. The challenge for the Dolphins is to find the right buttons to push before that and maximize your winning window. A Titans team went to a conference championship game, and they went to the playoffs four times in five years with five winning records in that stretch of time. We'll see if Miami can follow suit. But first, we got to see what they do on Sunday against the Jets, and that will ultimately help decide whether or not they break through their own plateau and make the playoffs or not. Uh, but we have crossover Thursday tomorrow, and then, of course, we have priming for the Jets. We'll be talking about everything that we know at that point in time for that matchup against the Jets. So make sure you hit subscribe. Keep it locked in right here on Lockdown Dolphins. Thanks for checking out the show. Make it a great day. I'll talk to you guys again tomorrow.